following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to Box Office 30 for May 1993, brought to you by the month of June 2023. <laughs> We're still trying to get our act together over here, and uh, the perpetual other act get-togetherer than me is my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? All right. You know, I, I realized I think we're going to be perpetually like late a month because the software that we use to record these Zencaster has now changed they finally decided that COVID's over, and so now they've changed it till we get 120 minutes to record a month. So I realized that like it probably doesn't reset until like, July now. <laughs> so there's a good chance we'll be recording the June episode in July just based on that technical. Uh, and Unless maybe I sign in and then we hey, do. There you go. <laughs> yep, we double down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find There's a way around the system. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, I was just about to say to Michael, I'm kind of losing my voice. So hopefully it holds out here. It was uh, field day at uh, my kid's school today, and I was originally supposed to do morning and afternoon, morning for my younger daughter and afternoon for my older daughter. They sort of split the grades across those times. Mm-hmm. And then with the end of the world here in the Northeast the past week with um, – yeah. What do we call this? Canada Apocalypse 2023? I, I don't know. It's uh, basically, long story short, is uh, fires up in Nova Scotia rained hellfire uh, <laughs> on the tri state uh, northeast in particular yeah. through New York and like New we Jersey. We were in like a Fallout looked- game or something. It was like all like uh, brown and orange and yellow hues outside for, for a day. I actually two. saw images of Blade Runner 2049 nice, and they were yes, comparing yeah. it to that. Yes. Hundred percent. I think um, that my favorite one I saw was somebody took a picture of an ad in Times Square for Diablo Four, mm-hmm. um, which was like 
New York, like hell's coming for you, New York. And then like in the background, you just see this like brown and orange sky. <laughs> it was like perfect timing for that, Ed. Um, but hopefully it, I won't lose my voice after all this nonsense. It, but it's, yes. it's so bizarre. So funny enough. Um, and I'll sort of jump this into our new and new to you segment. Okay. So I went to go see uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, right? A- upon your recommendation between choosing between that and Guardians 3. And, and just so, to be clear, Guardians is an incredible movie, but I thought that Spider-Verse was even more incredible. It just it doesn't sound like I'm like trashing on that. <laughs> yes. So I go to the theater for a 12 o'clock show, right? I come, you know, the sky's a little gray and whatever, but it wasn't like crazy yet. Yeah. Here on Long Island. I come out of the movie two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes later. It was like fire in the sky, like I said. <laughs> but the air smelt like fire. It was yeah. the craziest, most bizarre thing. I'm like, what happened in two hours? No, like, it's it's totally. It's, it's like, like Mordor room. Did you hear that? Like people were having where like her eyes were really bothering her and like all this sort of thing. For me, it was the smell of it made me nauseous. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't know what it was, but I was like, like until I went to sleep that night, nauseous from the smell of it. So it was like, I'm not looking forward to it possibly blowing back again here this next week. So we'll see. Yeah. And and, and they also said this is not even the peak of the fire, the wildfires in Canada yet, which usually comes yeah. in July. They said like, oh, good, fun, oh, fun. Oh, oh, super, <laughs> super. So. Uh, but yeah, that was one of my new and new to me's. And uh, as Pete said, it is, to pun intended, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't like, think I'm burying the lead here by saying that I saw it as well. And it's, uh, I've probably said on this podcast a couple of times, but it's probably my favorite superhero movie of all time, the first one. Mm-hmm. And this one was arguably even bigger and better than yeah. the first one. Um, they just like Lord and Miller, man, they really just know what they're doing. (laughs) It's just like, they know how to tell a story, man. It was, it's wild. And it's, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, a couple of the leaks online, there's a little bit of a Lego Spider-Man scene. (laughs) And, uh, the funny thing about that is it's actually animated by a 14 year old kid who did a Lego stop motion animation remake of the original trailer for this movie. <laughs> and the directors loved it so much that they had this 14 year old kid create this Lego Spider-Man scene in the movie. And it has one of the funniest lines in the whole film where Lego Spider-Man is talking uh, to uh, to Miguel, Spider-Man 2099. And Spider-Man goes, 
You're one of our best, Peter. <laughs> Which is great because like the whole rest of the movie, 2099 is so down on everybody and everything that like, but he really likes Lego Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was great. Um, I highly recommend going and seeing it in the theaters um, as with the first one, visual spectacle. And if anything, they stepped that up another notch. Oh, man. You know, they were doing some really cool, brand new, creative, clever stuff with the first one. And I thought they took that, to 11 with this one. Yeah. Um, especially with the different spider verses, like sort of painting them very literally uh, in, in sort of their own art styles and things like that. It was really, really super well done. Yeah. Like um, the- and the only thing I can say bad about it is that we now have to wait until March of 24 to wait for the other half of this movie, because like something like infinity war and Endgame, it's literally a movie split in two it could have just been you know released as a single um so it's a bummer that we have to wait for that uh that other half but you know uh it it was great i just hope they don't have to push it back because i know they already pushed this one back from its original release date (laughs) what's crazy about this movie right so it's a two hour and like 16 minute animated film which is unbelievable for an animated film like that's unprecedented but truth be told if they had made it both one movie, you could have had no problem sitting through a four hour oh, yeah. film. No yeah. problem. Five hour. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's wild. I did it's- that one time. <laughs> I went down. This is how nerdy my wife and I are. When we were still in college, and of course, you and me and her all being film people. more or less people from, from, you know, I think hers was more like a general communications. And ours was more film um, inclined, but uh, we went to see Gods and Generals in the theater in DC, and that is a five-hour movie. So they have you watch two and a half hours of it, then they kick you out of the theater for like a half an hour or an hour, and then they have you come back to watch the other <laughs> two and a half hours. And I can't remember a damn thing about it, so it must not have been a very good five hours. No, it's not a good movie. It's not not a good movie. But uh, but yeah, that was my first new and new to me. The next one I have is another animated movie, which is the DC animated movie Legion of Superheroes. And if you know anything about me from the Wizards podcast, I'm a huge fan of the Legion in DC Comics. Uh, I, I love those characters. Saturn I, Girls, you're your main kind of thing in that, right? <laughs> Saturn Girl, Monel, I love them all. They're all fantastic. There are parts of this movie that I really like. And there are parts that I absolutely hate. And if you're and if you're a fan of the Legion of Superheroes, and you know anything about them, there are things you will hate in this movie, and it will it will really bum you out. Um, but overall, visually, it's amazing. It's a good, decent story. It's got a good amount of. It's longer than some of the other DC animated films, but there are just a couple things they did to the movie that I'm just like, why? Why yeah. do this? Why? And- it's funny. I'm always very mixed on Legion. And for me, it's a little bit in the same vein as um, like over at Marvel, the Eternals. Mm-hmm. A, there's too many of them. There's just oh. too many. Um, so it's it's so hard to keep up with with that. But then B, and this is more closely related to me and my feelings with the 2099 universe, is I sometimes dislike the idea of being told that there's this continuity that happens in the future of our heroes. And it's like 
it's this, you know, whatever it is. Like, and so in this case, it's like, all right, it's the Legion of Superheroes, whatever. And like, they're keyed to like the main character's universe because they're always saying that like they go back and met Superman and he like informed their decision and everything. And it's like the same thing for like Marvel with 2099. Like, 2099 is such a bleak future. Yeah. And it's you're like, really so wait, it's the future of our Marvel universe? Like, what are our people even doing if it ends up like this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I like to always think of those as Elseworlds or alternate dimension rather than true future even though it's very often canonically the future of like the uh i honestly believe at times uh, you know and this is not a comics podcast but i honestly believe that at times kind of is you and i seem to be talking a lot of comics on this podcast over the last (laughs) umpteen episodes fair fair (laughs) enough um but you know i've always thought the 2099 universe was kind of an elseworld sort of a thing the legion it it kind of like mixes it up a little bit but uh but yeah so i i could agree with that um my third movie i saw ironically another superhero or comic book based movie is shazam and shazam fury of the gods more specifically the sequel um I I wanted to love it. Like I love Zachary Levi. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, but this movie did not know what it wanted to be. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I think a, a, a big part of that is because of the fact that they couldn't get the rock to be black Adam as the villain in the movie. So they had to kind of phone it in and you know, they call it Fury of the Gods. And the movie starts off in a sense where, like, one of the the, the um, female uh, antagonists, uh, Lucy Liu's character, which asked me what her name in the movie was, I couldn't tell you. I can't remember. But she, like, whispers to people in this museum and they start killing each other. And I thought, like, okay, these are the Furies from apocalypse and she's giving them the anti-life equation. Nope. <laughs> not that at all. Not that at all. And I was like, where are we going with this movie? So and I funny was enough, Shazam Fury of the Gods is also the first movie on my list. And interestingly enough, so like Zoe really wanted to see the first Shazam and I finally showed it to her like a month, a month and change ago, something and she really liked it. So she really wanted it. Well, no, I guess it was longer ago than that because this movie was out and we saw it in VOD. Um, so we, I don't know, let's say like three, four months ago, where I showed her that. And she really liked it, especially because like coming from a kid's angle and like the kids transforming into the superheroes, like she bought into the reason that they made this character in the first place, which was right. a way to relate to kids. Um, and so she really wanted to see the second one. Timing was such that we didn't get to see it in the theater. So like I said, we watched it, um, I don't know, like a month or so ago. And uh, she really liked it. Um, And I liked it better than I thought I would. But as you said, it kind of flounders around and doesn't 100% sort of find its way. It's sort of like, it's not as tight necessarily as the first one in in sort of what they wanted to get done with it. Mm -hmm. But here's the interesting thing is Zoe and I, as you know, we're, we're avid reading people and her and I, my thing is like, we, we read every single night and we've read all the Harry Potter books and we've read like other, you know, book series. And so lately we've been reading the Percy Jackson and the Olympians books. Mm -hmm. And so just completely coincidentally, the characters from this tie in exactly to the book we had just finished mm. from the Percy Jackson series. Like these are act like those sisters and the dragon that protects the tree. Like literally a Greek myth 
that was part of this uh, Percy Jackson book that we had just finished. So we were even more keyed in on these characters. So for her, it like doubled the enjoyment of the film because it like, it was like two of her favorite things got thrown together all of a sudden. That's cool. Um, I will say to your point, see, here's where I, you know, I talked a little bit ago that I had watched the black Adam movie and I would rate that as like half of what I would rate this movie. Like they really were floundering on that one. It just felt really tacked and thrown together. You know, I, it was just really bizarre. And like, to your point, if they had done a Shazam with Black Adam, which they were sort of maybe, I guess, at the end of this movie, like leaving it open, I guess that they could do something like that. But I guess it was talking more Mr. Mind and they had uh, what's his face, Savannah from the first one, sort of yeah. in the post credit scene and things like that. I guess spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know where they're going with this, if they're doing any more with this. It, it, to me. This movie, and I guess Flash in a way, although Flash they're now like, you know, using as like Flashpoint, like a way to reboot the whole DCEU. But this movie just was like, all right, well, we've already made it. We might as well like put it in the can and and put it out there to the world. I think it was just the last gasp of what was the DC universe, which a lot of those movies were floundering and not really sure of what they were and and whatever. And that even goes for the James Gunn, inclusion of like suicide squad you know like they're fun they're enjoyable suicide squad fun enjoyable but on the whole yeah i didn't find it to be like a very like very extremely well put together movie like his guardians movies are it sort of felt like a mishmash but yeah so like you know i just think this movie doesn't know what it wants to be um and uh, I mean, the, it is fun. It is got its charms. It's not unwatchable. You know, people really came out bashing it, and it's it's fine. It's like it's it's an okay movie, but it's still like kind of bottom of the barrel, you know, versus a lot of other things that came out this past month. Two two of my biggest problems with this movie are one, uh, the way they end the movie is. I, I knew this was going to happen. I was sort of like telegraphed from, you know, the beginning of the third act. This was sort of what, what he was going to do. But the fact that, you know, Wonder Woman shows up and, you know, does this whole <laughs> they were thing. Kind of like, yeah, they were kind of goofing on that the whole movie long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a couple of things where I'm just like, well, yeah, I didn't appreciate or like any, you know, that part. But also, like, I feel in the first movie when Billy Batson is is Shazam he acts less juvenile in this movie they like dialed up like hey Zach Levi you're a kid be goofy be a kid and all of the other you know Shazam family again they're kids but they just play it so juvenile for the you know what was See, supposed to be the laughs i was just sort of like Ugh, all right well now funny thing for me and this goes back to the first shazam movie for me i feel like either the casting or writing between zachary levi and i don't know the kid's name who plays the billy batson character the two of them don't jive for me like 
Shazam does not talk like Billy talks. You know, no. like Billy is, if anything, fairly serious. Yes. And then all of a sudden when he's a superhero, he's very goofy. Yeah. So they've, they've always missed that mark for me. I feel like a lot of the other Marvel family characters are much better at representing their younger kid. Oh, I think so. Like, you know, uh, uh, Adam Brody as, you know, Freddie Friedman, you know, his and then his kid version are very similar. But yeah. like. You know the the two leads, if you will. In this answer for me, and this is like me just not knowing enough about the Marvels to begin with. Maybe you know they sort of like in the first movie when they got the powers, they sort of had like one each of one of the powers. You know, strength of of Solomon, yeah. Hercules, wisdom of Solomon, whatever. Um, this movie, they just all seem to have the entire same power set. Is that how it normally is in the comics? Uh. And by the way, I was also waiting because they like rescued like a cat or a kitten at some point. I was waiting for that like giant cat that they have that like also transforms into like battle cat or whatever. Yeah. And it never materialized. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, generally speaking, like, you know, Captain Marvel, Shazam, Billy Batson is the strongest of all of them. Mary Marvel is like the second strongest, but she's also the most intelligent. It almost like taps into their own natural ability like she's naturally intelligent and yeah. it like gives her more wisdom but she's also strong and whatever uh the other like ancillary siblings other than you know really freddy who's also just slightly watered down from you know captain marvel the other three i think they kind of just have bits and pieces like it's supposed to like, because, like Zoe of all the people was the one that made this astute observation. She's like, Daddy, in the first movie, they each had one of his powers. Now they have all of them. Like, when did that happen? And I'm like, I guess off screen. <laughs> like, I, guess, I said to her, I was like, you know how like when he first started, he couldn't fly and he had to sort of like learn to do things. I was like, maybe they had to all learn how to do it, too. But I was like, it was kind of like weird storytelling for them to all just be able to do everything. Then. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're spending way too much time on this movie. It's, it's fine, but it's 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 sort of odd. And yeah, there were certain questions that I had about it that didn't really make sense. And you know, I I feel like they they hyped up the fact that they changed Mary Marvel to be the same uh, actress that plays Kid Mary and Marvel Mary, but she's not really. A superhero for very long her powers get taken away pretty fast we don't see her all that much in the movie uh, you know i don't know there's so this is another one that's they they said was supposed to originally come out after the flash and the reason why their suits are different and things are different is was was because it was supposed to be because of flashpoint and and because now it's released before flash some of those things don't make sense, I guess. I, I guess. guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. All right, um, well, moving along, uh, next one on my list, uh, a much better movie to talk about is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, this was fantastic. I mean, if there's a downside that I heard anybody sort of speaking about is that you kind of wanted or needed to see the holiday special to explain some parts of why and where they're at now and like why Cosmo's a thing and like, 
the relationship between Peter and Mantis and, and things like that. Um, well, if you have I, 45 minutes, go back and listen to our that's bonus the thing. episode. Like, I was like, yeah, like, you know, you, if you're watching this movie, you should have seen the holiday movie because it's incredible. <laughs> and what are you paying those uh, Disney Plus bills for anyway? So yeah, yeah right. uh, go check it out. But um, just a charming movie, although at, at times extremely hard to watch movie. Um, you know, I, I heard that PETA of all groups came out in support of this movie, which is like, when is the last time that happened? Most of the time they're complaining about, you know, uh, movies and things like this, but um, it's brutal. And, you know, like uh, Zoe, a lot of times has, has gotten second sort of um, watch on Marvel movies. Cause like, you know, I'm trying to be a good parent and be like, let me sort of pre-screen these and see if, you know, if it makes sense to bring her or whatever first. And, I didn't, uh, based on a gut check with this one, and I'm glad that I didn't because I don't know that I'm going to show it to her because the animal uh, torture, for lack of a better word, is very gruesome. It's very hard to watch. Really? Um, you know, it, it definitely tugs at your heartstrings, and it's a sad story. Um, it's a really sad story. You know, Rocket in this movie and in the comics has a very tragic, you know, backstory. Um, and so it, it can be very um harsh to get through um and you know like they wipe out a planet of spoilers wipe a planet of people um you know and all this sort of thing so it's it's definitely a violent um marvel movie compared to what you would normally i guess consider to be kind of the marvel formula it's definitely a james gunn movie you know what i mean like if you've seen any of his other flicks he's no uh he does not shy away from horror aspects in in a lot of his uh, earlier right. stuff um, and so that's why I'm a little curious to see where he'll go with, you know, riding with the reins of the DC universe. Like, is he going to embrace like the big blue boy scout or is it going to get like doubled down on some of the darkness and violence? I'm really mm -hmm. curious, you know? Yeah. You know, Flashpoint itself has a lot of like insane kind of stuff. Like when he gets fried by the lightning and things yeah. like that. So like, I would not be surprised if some of that stuff, you know, finds its way into the James Gunn DC universe sort of yeah, thing, you know, for sure. So I just remember what my fourth movie was now. Okay. Speaking of another superhero movie. <laughs> four for four. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium. All right. Yes. <laughs> uh, and again, I wanted to love this movie and I felt the first act was really good. The second act kind of uh, flounders a little bit. And the third act sort of falls apart for me. Um, <laughs> and I was very bummed because I, people, even though they hate Ant-Man and the Wasp, I love that movie. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. This movie, again, you know, to kind of quote Chris Hemsworth, believe it or not, you know, it's too much trying to be something else and trying to be something fantastical. Well, here's here's my hot take after you having been thinking about this movie longer. It's a good Ant-Man movie. Yeah. It's a bad MCU movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the problem. Like, as far as like, if you just like forget about all the rest of the movies and just think about the Ant-Man universe, it's fun. It's fun in that universe, but it's too high stakes 
for for going forward for these characters, you know, and it just flounders on that. I think that's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. So that's all, that's all I got to say about that movie. Yeah. Well, so anyway, getting back to guardians, um, highly enjoyable. I mean, I could sit and really like pull apart, like everything that I loved about this, but it's just a, it's a, it's a love letter to these characters. It's a send off to these characters. It says that star Lord will return. I'm really curious how that's going to happen because I think several of these people are like, this is it. I'm done now. Um, you know, with this universe, like I think Zoe Solanda is not going to come back as Gamora. We know Dave Bautista is done with Drax, you know, so I think several of these characters are kind of like done and out. So I'm curious, like if at all, like where it's going to go from here, but I guess we'll see. I, um, unless maybe, you know, he appears in secret wars, maybe who knows? Yeah. I mean, it could just be one-offs and it's like not necessarily the guardians anymore. I mean, I, I thought that the ending was kind of neat with like, those, I don't, I don't, who's seen supposed it. to be like King King Groot, whatever. <laughs> thing, mm. you know. um, oh yeah, I guess you haven't seen this. Yeah, you haven't seen this. All right, well, I'm not going to spoil it for you then. Um, so um, next movie on my list then is Dungeons and Dragons, and I had mixed expectations for this movie. I should probably preface by saying that I'm somebody who's never played a game of Dungeons and Dragons, but I know how it's played and I understand a lot of like the in humor from it, um, which helps a lot when you're watching this movie, because there's a lot of Dungeons and Dragons in humor. Um, there was a movie years ago. Did it have one of the Wayans brothers in it? That was a Dungeons and Dragons movie. They did do a previous D and D movie. Uh, that one being terrible. Um, this one is actually pretty damn watchable. Um, and it's purely on the charisma of like Chris, um, Pine and like a bunch of the other actors in this movie. Um, it's yes, in, in 2000, there was a Marlon Wayans. Okay, I thought it was one of the Jeremy Irons. Yeah. That movie, movie was god awful, like it's like known as being god awful. And I remember seeing it and being like, This is terrible. This movie is actually completely watchable. Like, if you can like even put aside like Dungeons and Dragons, that's for nerdy people rolling dice, it's actually just like a fun medieval fantasy themed movie Mm -hmm. um and they do some incredible shit with the visual effects which is i think what really like you know like pushed me over the edge with it they did some really super fun that's cool um stuff particularly with the druid character who can change into different animals and things like that um but it, it was just fun it was really funny at times um it's a light story so like it's it's not like where it's like dragging you through like a lot of like you know muck it's kind of like it's kind of in the vein of a guardian it's sort of this ragtag team of like loser people get together and do a thing um so i actually honestly feel like that one's worth a watch um, out there in movie land so check it out if you haven't um and then the final one to bring things full circle back to where we started is spider-man across the spider-verse and i'm not going to say too much more than we said already except to say go out and see this movie like right now it was so fun they evolved the characters perfectly to like the next stage of where they need to be at um, I love how, and again, I hope this isn't getting into spoiler territory. I love how they start the movie with Gwen and like her yeah. story and like what's going on with her very much mirrors Gwen's origin in the comics. Um, so I thought that was a really cool nod to her instead of it just being, you know, what's happening with Miles to start right out of the gate again. Well, um, it, it, it nearly, believe it or not, rips from the pages of yeah. Spider Gwen's origin story, yeah. more, more yeah. or less, like pretty darn close yeah it really does um uh, you know it changes a few things but but as you say more or less it's it's basically how her story gets started and i love that they um are doing that in the way that they are and then there's so many other great 
Spider-Verse characters that they brought into this, you know, um, characters in the first movie, like Noir, Spider-Ham, um, Penny Parker and Spider, great additions. But it, rather than just completely rehashing that same grouping, they sort of took like the prime characters and then like they brought them in at various points. And I, they're alluding now, again, spoilers, that in the next half of the movie that they're kind of getting the gang back together, plus the new like kind of best characters from this movie. Yeah. Um, but they didn't they didn't just like copy and paste from the first movie. They allowed some new characters in that are and I say new very loosely, because if you know the Spider-Verse, you know these characters already and they're amazing characters. Yeah. Um, but they it's maybe new to like the general movie going audience and new to our Spider-Verse movies here. So it was super fun seeing them come in. The humor, 10 out of 10, like yeah. they nailed the humor. They nailed the heart of this movie. Um, they, they just they just knocked it out of the park. And like, again, I'm super biased. So like I'm already going to praise this movie to high hell, but they just did such a damn good job with it. And I think one of the hills that I was like, how are they going to get over this with how do you turn spider characters into villains? How do you make them an antagonist? in your world, you know, outside of, of course, the spot. And, and again, you and I said this the other day, the spot is a joke. He's been a joke since the time that he was introduced and like Spider-Man laughed at him in the comics, but they found a way to make him so damn badass. Like it's yeah. so cool where the spot is at the end of the movie from where he's at at the beginning of the movie. If anything, they maybe jumped him that a little too quickly, but yeah. like it, they did a cool job with him. I can't wait to see where they go further, but past that, it's like, well, how do you turn all these characters against miles. What, what could possibly happen that would make these good guys want to be going after one of their own? And they handle it in such a damn good way. Yeah. Really perfect. Perfect homage to what they've built and done with spider verse already. And it, it, it explains like, why is 2099 acting this way? And why are these other characters? They have like a super valid reason for why yeah. they're acting this way. So it's really cool. So I, I found zero fault in this movie. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I I already said the visuals are, are like if they did it brand new, incredible stuff in the first one, which sort of set a brand new bar for me as far as expectations go for any movie, let alone animated movies. And I've seen it like like I think the one I've compared to it is um, of all movies, Puss in Boots. I was like some of them that are working on Puss in Boots took notes and paid attention to what happened in Spider-Verse and started bringing some of those like animation techniques and things in and were, were mirroring it here. and. They just did more with it this time around. Like, you know, I, I hope this isn't a, a big spoiler, but I, I can't get away without mentioning it. Is that the different Spider Verses all have unique art styles? Yeah, and the art styles change and do different things with the characters, and it's so damn cool. And your average person might never even notice it, but like if you sit there and look for it, some of the unique things they do with those changing art styles and the different Spider Verses that they enter are so damn cool. Like little even nods to things. Like um, there's like one super spoily th thing, and I'll mention it to you offline, but like somebody eye color changes and it's such a damn subtle thing but it's but right. it's like a major major hint to like something's not the same or not right or whatever and it's like it's cool and it's like oh that's awesome you know so um forget listening to this podcast stop what you're doing leave work <laughs> your kids can can fend for themselves go see this movie now here's what's funny I'll about this, see it with you, know, you. <laughs> like i i gauge how great a movie is when it's over and I say to myself, you know what? 
I want to go back and watch this I again. I would have happily bought a ticket and walked right back in. Like, yeah. I, 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 I was saying to my wife, because I took Zoe to the, see this, she's like, why don't you, you know, usually her and I, like I said, kind of pre-screen these things, but I was like, this will be fine for Zoe. So I was like, she's like, why don't you take Zoe? I want her to come with me and just go again, because I yeah. really want see it again yeah. um and and my gauge for the movies that like always are like the 11 out of 10 on my charts is how often would you watch this and the yeah. first spider-verse movie i watched for like six seven times that, that year that it came out yeah. this one's gonna be no exception as soon as it hits vod i'll be watching this again and again i yeah. loved it so i cannot yeah. wait the only bummer, like I said, is that you gotta wait for the other half because it is literally they get to a point in the story and they've told a conclusive enough first half, but it leaves you like, ah, oh, no, come on, like, you know, like I gotta it, wait a it's, year. It's similar to like Back to the Future Part Two. It like leaves you on a cliffhanger, just like, yeah. I gotta wait how long? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, but those are our new and new to us, and if you. <laughs> we yeah, we have, we, this this section has gotten longer and longer over time it's uh, it has. So, it enjoyable. <laughs> so i wanted to mention this and you brought you sort of joked about it at the beginning of the episode that you know this is the may episode coming to you in july yeah, june. june well maybe july let's see let's see how quickly i edit it <laughs> believe it or not some people have reached out to me over the last week and a half and said, Hey, where's your May episode? <laughs> it's been like six weeks since we I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. They do exist. Well, listen out there. Uh, that makes my heart feel good because I think one of the things Mike and I have, have in the back of our minds struggled with is, is anybody listening to this thing? And like, we definitely know a few people out there that are. So if you're listening to this thing, let us know, like, just drop us a line, just say, hi, you know, thank you for the occasional podcast. I listen to every <laughs> one in 10, you know, like whatever that'll, that'll make our lives feel so much better. That's what's going to be the fuel to keep us going folks. <laughs> Yeah. We do this so we can hang out and have a good time chatting with each other, but it, it helps to know that like people are actually listening to it out there. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, like like three or four people reach out and say, Hey, where's your May episode? I was like, Oh, we're working on it. And <laughs> you know, so to fill everybody in, so you know, basically the end of May got a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, Pete went away on vacation. I was finishing. I went on away on vacation right after like so, so like I'm gonna I'll put it out there because I've been telling everybody. From April through the end of May, I at my job, I'm a photographer for a university. I had a um, investiture ceremony for the new president that came in. I had a ton of end of year events and then I had commencement. So at the end of that month, month and a half time period, I kid you not, I had 18,000 new photos to be working with. So yeah, I had no podcasting time yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> And then, so then he went away with his family. Then, um, unfortunately, I had a a death in the family, and so kind of you know messed up that week and such. And uh, you know, so we've been you know we apologize again for another late episode. We really are trying. Like, believe yeah, me, we, we, yeah, we want to do this podcast because, like, for Mike and I, it's like you know we talk outside of this, of course, but it's like our monthly like two hour hangout time, you know. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we want to we want to get this out there in the world. So more are coming, yes. um, but uh, you know, just bear with us. We're going to try and get this thing back on a, a normal schedule. <laughs> yeah. So, right, so that said, how about we dive in for our Box Office 30 segment for May 
right. Welcome to May 1990, May 1993. I have to say, I was a little surprised how short the list was, because I feel like usually you hit May and June and the summer movie season kicks off. But it was surprisingly short. Um, But we'll jump into that more in a minute. So uh, number one for May is Dave with a May gross of thirty seven point seven million dollars. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that was the (laughs) top movie of the month, I guess, because, you know, the other quite a month a little bit um, as far as like where the the money gets distributed to, because there's still movies from like April that are doing well. Uh, Number two spot is Dragon, the Bruce Lee story with twenty seven point seven million. And in the number three spot is Indecent Proposal with twenty six point five million in earnings so uh, we were just talking about you listeners um i'm I'm gonna call you out thank you to the again four people who voted to our listener poll this month i don't know how we went from 95 voters in a month to four but thank you four. and i'm hoping it was the exact same four people because that would really make my day (laughs) i know it wasn't you i know it wasn't my wife so i don't know who you four are but thank you i appreciate you i see you i love you please keep voting (laughs) the results though um we have uh, Super Mario Brothers and Dave tied at 0%. <laughs> um, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story had 25% and Cliffhanger with then three votes, which I did the math wrong on last time somehow, had 75% of our vote, which is our featured movie this month. Um, so I think that that turned out probably as good as it could have yeah. uh, these movies. I mean, Dave's an enjoyable movie. Um, Super Mario is... So God bad awful. it's good. So bad it's good. It's bad. It's awful. Something I think <laughs> you know something in there, um, especially now that it's been outshone by its uh, its new animated uh, predecessor. But um, let's dive into it. So uh, because we didn't get a chance to talk about them, uh, number one on the list, Dave. Um, funny movie. I remember more of this movie being advertised than watching the actual movie itself as a kid. I don't know why that is. I think I must have had some VHSs that had. The trailer on it and so in watching yeah. those i kept seeing you know the trailer for this over and over but they I did, advertised I did the hell out of, yeah they advertised the hell out of this movie and i i saw it on vhs too and basically the story is uh kevin klein plays two roles in the movie one is the president of the united states who i think slips into a coma or has some sort of like you know an aneurysm or something like that and they find a guy that looks just like him <laughs> and they have him impersonate the president and you know impersonate you know even you know with the first lady and the whole thing and yada 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 and he's like a totally different personality than the president who was in a coma and long story short, you know, drama ensues and, you know, chaos unfolds and so on and so forth. Uh, it's, it's a fine movie. I don't know if it would have been great for a podcast. I don't think people really would care to hear about us talking about Dave. Well, I guess clearly they don't cause they yeah. got 0% of the- <laughs> Yeah. So then number two at dragon, the Bruce Lee story is another I th- I loved this movie. I saw this movie twice in the theaters. I loved this film so very much. But again, I could see why it didn't win because it's a long movie, first of all. Um, and, you know, I don't know what the audience is for it, to, to be honest with you. I, I, I just thought it was a great movie at the time. I still like it to this day. Number four on our list is a movie called Sliver, which at first I was trying to like think like, isn't this like a horror movie? And then I was like, oh, no, no it's Slither. <laughs> this is the Sharon Stone, Billy Baldwin movie. Yes. Um, 
And Tom Berger. <laughs> Tom Berger, yes. Uh, arguably, you know, some might almost consider this, in a way, either the prequel or sequel to Basic Instinct, because they're so similar in their in their narrative. Uh, this is almost more uh, uh, provocative than Basic Instinct in a lot of ways. Uh, again, not a great movie. Remember seeing it on HBO eventually when it came. <laughs> Skinamax. Yeah, more or less. Uh, it's it's a fine movie. It's 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 pretty you know cheesy at times, and it's the lesser of the Baldwin's, if you will. But uh, it's it's a, it's okay. Uh, then our featured movie of the month is Cliffhanger, which had a a May gross of twenty million four hundred and fifty eight thousand and a total gross of eighty four point you know oh four nine million yeah, that uh, rounds to zero we'll call it 84 <laughs> yeah um with a may 28th release so this is really like a memorial day weekend release and you know it still did pretty good numbers for the end of of may if you will 20 million in, in a couple of days yeah yeah no, it did pretty darn well to all find its way all the way up to number five now so it's, number it's, six oh question yeah, I'll save it for when we do the recap of it. Go ahead. Okay. So number six on our list, uh, we re- we did the first part of this movie, a uh, movie that I, I love is near and dear to my heart, and I may have even seen it before the first movie, Hot Shots Part Deux. <laughs> Stop Which, it. It's the sequel. I had to come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also love that this movie set off a trend of calling things Part Deux, including yeah. I love the 90s, like naming like like their second version of their series Part Deux. um again topper harley and gang um fighting saddam hussein brilliant movies love them to death turns out really hard to review on a podcast so i'm glad that we didn't add this to the list this time around but can't let it go without a nod because i loved 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 this movie as a kid and still do um just super super fun so the next one on the list is number what's this number number seven is a movie called the posse I've never, ever heard of this movie, ever. Nothing. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know this one either, but I'll, I'll read through it. In 1898 Cuba, five Buffalo soldiers find a gold cache, desert, and... Wait, desert? Desert? Oh, oh, I get it. <laughs> they deserted. It's written weird. Desert and return to America while they help defend a black town from the KKK, all while trying to avoid capture by lawmen and military authorities alike. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just... Uh, this movie does not pop on my radar at all does not ring um, a bell i will say despite being in the number seven spot and earning almost 12.8 million dollars it was only on 949 uh screens so oh. it did a pretty good number of being on a much smaller scale of uh, of screens honestly so good for them so the next movie on the list is made in america which is a Whoopi goldberg uh ted danson movie um i remember this movie I remember not liking this movie very much, but I think I didn't get it as a kid. Uh, but it says uh, a young black woman discovers that her father was a sperm donor. And if it wasn't bad enough, he's white. That's the tagline. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think this movie translates well today, uh, but it, it, it had interesting parts to it. And it does have uh, an interesting take on, you know, just, family in general but i remember not liking this movie at the time because <laughs> ted danson plays it so kind of douchey that i just didn't, didn't <laughs> dig it in my opinion 
So number 13 on our list is a movie called Lost in Yonkers. And while it doesn't ring any immediate bells for me, I did look it up. And it's a film version of a play that won the Pulitzer Prize two years previous in 1991. Um, stars Richard Dreyfus and Mercedes Rukel? Rule? Mercedes Rule, I guess. Um, I don't really know anything about it outside of the fact that it's it's apparently, you know, uh, taking place in the Bronx and Yonkers and things like that. And has Richard Dreyfus? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so number 17, I, I, I'm excited about here. Number 17 is the original Super Mario Bros. movie. Um, as a kid, I liked this movie. That said, as a kid, I even recognized how bizarre and weird a movie this is, you know. Um, I suppose if you go look at, um, you know, Super Mario on a whole, it's kind of a weird game, you know, like, plumber and turtles and and you know flying clouds and all nine yeah. yards but um this movie was at times almost unrecognizable even in the super mario brothers universe because yeah. they had this like de-evolution thing and they had like what is it called like old new york or new new york is like under new york you have to get to it through like a like a dimension yeah i don't know it was it was some weird choices but <laughs> they also included some fun stuff like princess daisy which you know like she becomes like a much bigger deal character in in mario universe on a whole and things like that um the fact that her dad was a living fungus that lived throughout the city was kind of a hot odd take on like like, I guess, like the toads and things like mm -hmm. that. I don't know. Sort of bizarre. I, I, I really would love to watch a documentary on like how this movie was made and like what the thinking was behind it, because it really took some like bizarre liberties with or an already interesting and bizarre property. Um, but it sort of has like a cult following and you've got Luigi Mario and Mario Mario, which was like another odd choice. And then Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, you know, it, it was definitely a product of its time. So uh, yeah. I'm not going to be showing it to my kids anytime soon. And I don't really care to watch it again myself. Um, big shout it's a out movie, to me. <laughs> yeah, it is a movie. That's for, that's for a fact. So next on the list is menace to society, which uh, I remember this movie and I remember being, it, it's so, this is what it was. It's so ahead of its time, but it was such a good movie. And it really didn't have like a huge famous cast other than Samuel L. Jackson, but it was just a very interesting movie about a young street hustler uh, who attempts to escape the rigors and temptations of the ghetto in a quest for a better life. And it's a very, very good movie. If you haven't seen this movie, you should definitely check it out. It was. Now, I hate to say it, but I feel like this movie for me only exists or translates into what eventually is "Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood," which is like <laughs> I and saw that when I was younger for sure. I did not see this movie when I was younger, which is probably a disservice to the uh, probably arguably better movie. <laughs> well, Don't Be a Menace is, is a comedy and a satire where this is not a comedy. No, yeah, so. but I think, you know, like Don't Be a Menace based itself off of like this and Boys in the Hood and things like that, you know. So number 29 is Much Ado About Nothing. And I can't tell if this was one of the remakes or this is the original one that they did in the theaters or not. Um this is, you know, based obviously on, on the the Shakespeare play, and uh, it's a it's a Kenneth Branagh film, which you know his movies can be uh, you know hit or miss and somewhat self indulgent at times as well. <laughs> so uh, it's hard to say, but you know it's got Kate Beckinsale, 
I believe Michael Keaton's in it too. Denzel Washington, Keanu Reeves. Oh, wow. Uh, he's got quite a cast. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting cast. Of, you know, quite a few, you know, people in the movie. But, you know, I've never seen it. So I couldn't tell you anything about it other than it's the Shakespeare play. So, well, number 30 on our list is a movie that I've definitely never seen. But after reading about it, I really want to. It's called Carnosaur. And it says, oh, you don't know about Carnosaur? Don't. A genetically manipulated and very hungry dinosaur escapes from a bioengineering company and wreaks havoc on the local desert town. A security guard and a girl environmentalist try to stop both it and the company's doomsday bioweapon. Yeah, I don't know this movie, but it sounds like something that I would love to see. Oh, Carnosaur (laughs) is like a huge cult following to this movie. And if you ask Steven or Adam, this is the only movie that has the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie trailer attached (laughs) to the VHS. And so they in particular sought out this movie just to watch the trailer for that movie that was never released. Nice, nice. So, All right, so we got a couple bottom-of-the-barrel ones yeah. here. So number 34 is a movie called Excessive Force. Number 35, Happily Ever After. And finally, at the bottom of our list is number 36, American Heart. Um, this says, an ex-convict is tracked down by his estranged teenage son, and the pair try to build a relationship and life together in Seattle. Making this essentially our not-Miramax Miramax movie of, yes. of the month. <laughs> There's actually no Miramax movie on the there list. There isn't. Oh, no, yeah. Um, so familiar. overall, like I said, shorter list and surprisingly lacking in some more quality movies. But good news is that there's some better stuff coming up next yeah. month. So uh, let's dive in on our review of Cliffhanger. Okay, so Cliffhanger is an action thriller film released in 1993, directed by Rennie Harlan. The movie stars Sylvester Stallone as Gabe Walker, a former mountain rescue ranger haunted by a tragic accident, Um, which all I could think about was the beginning of Ace Ventura 2, I think. Mm. Um, The film also features John Lithgow as Eric Quaylen, the leader of a group of criminals searching for lost money in the Rocky Mountains. The plot revolves around Gabe Walker, who's drawn back into a perilous situation when he crosses paths with Quaylen and his gang. After an intense opening sequence, which sets the tone for the movie's thrilling action, Gabe finds himself in a race against time to outsmart the criminals and save innocent lives. Cliffhanger was written by Michael France and Sylvester Stallone, based on a premise by climber and writer John Lang. The film had a budget of around $70 million, went on to gross over $255 million worldwide, making it a commercial success. Upon its release, Cliffhanger relieved, received mixed to positive reviews from critics. The film's stunning cinematography, exhilarating action sequences, and Stallone's performance were widely praised. However, some critics found fault with the plot's predictability and the film's occasional reliance on cliches. Nevertheless, the movie's box office success and thrilling spectacle cemented its status as an entertaining action film. Okay. So that's like the official byline on it. Like, what's your take? <laughs> It's Die Hard on a Mountain. It's Die Hard on a Mountain, 100%. <laughs> so so I, I have to jump in to start by saying, and I sort of said this to you right before we got recording today, I couldn't remember if I had ever seen Cliffhanger or not. It feels like a movie that you should have seen, and yet I don't think I ever saw the whole thing, if at all. Because 
I think I thought Cliffhanger was going to be more about climbing Not mountains climbing. and like survival, but it's really just a generic plane gets hijacked and then people need to like stop hijackers sort of thing. Yeah, it's a heist now, movie, just like Die Hard. Yeah. Yes. Sure and I will give it credit for being at least in a unique environment because you and I have said multiple times that the 90s were full of plane gets hijacked movies, you know, and then mm-hmm. it, wherever they inevitably end up past that is fine. Um, but I got to give them credit that they're like stuck up on this mountain and they got to find the money because like the, the heist essentially went wrong. One of the guys was left over in the plane, like was able to like, you know, shoot the pilots and like the, the cargo fell out and like was sort of like landed in random spots all across this mountain. Now, luckily, they have some guy on their team that just happens to have this like doodad tracking device that'll tell them like where everything the boxes is, are, which is like some amazing forethought, because if this had gone as planned, the money would have just all been in their plane and they would have flown away. And that would have been that. So, like, I don't know how this guy, how they knew to have this guy along who's like the one guy that can run this like machine that can like, you know, essentially it's like, like a it's like a like a location finder essentially um and and it you know pings when they're closer to it and all this but um they're perpetually thwarted by three like mountaineering guides (laughs) that that have no business being like the action stars that they they ultimately are (laughs) they're essentially battling mercenaries and they've got you know no training in the sense of like fighting or weaponry or any of that stuff, but yet they are able to outsmart these mercenaries. No problem. So let's, let's start at the start because I feel like there's a couple of ways that we can break this film down. And I'd like to maybe approach this talking about the characters and their actors, but I'd like to start this off. You cannot start talking about cliffhanger without talking about that first 10 to 20 minutes, which right. I would argue is the best part of the whole movie. Best part by and far of the whole movie. Um, thrilling, heartbreaking, really high octane, really get your heart beating, even though you know what's coming. So, you know, and like I said, like in my head, I can now forever, never separate this from the opening of Ace Ventura with him dropping the raccoon, you know, (laughs) for those who have somehow not seen and don't know what the opening to cliffhanger is essentially our guy, Gabe is tasked. um, They have like a helicopter search and rescue group. and the character whose name I'm forgetting, who's played by Michael by Rooker, Michael Rooker, Yondu from the Guardians movies, who, by the way, and I'm going to circle back to this, is by and far my favorite part of this movie, brought some inexperienced climber up on a, on a tower of rocks that he shouldn't have. Right. And now they need to get helicoptered off. In doing so, um, the harness that she's in midway across when she's like essentially like they get like a carabiner and they're like wenching her across the way breaks and she's hanging by her strap and Gabe you know goes out and tries to grab her and he grabs her by the arm just as she falls but he can't hold on and she plummets 4,000 feet to her death and it's it's tragic it's a heartbreaking um, start to the movie and it essentially you know pits um, Michael Rooker's character against Gabe I need to look up his character before I uh, is Hal, <laughs> keep calling him Hal. Michael Rooker. His name is Hal. Hal, thank you. Um, before, you know, pits Hal against Gabe because it's also Hal's girlfriend in real, you know, like in, in like, the story. And, uh, you know, he feels that he should have gone back out and tried to get her and like Gabe jumped, you know, and, and shouldn't have gone out and whatever the case was. 
Um, it breaks Gabe. He leaves the service. He doesn't want to be a part of it. Fast forward now into, I think it's eight months. Yeah, it's like eight or um, ten months later. Later yeah. on. Yeah, they say in the movie. I forget which it is. Um, and we get into um, the situation where this, this you know, money has fallen and everything. So from there, um, you know, they have this, this big shootout on the planes. It reminded me very much of um, Dark Knight uh, and like sort of the opening yes. of the the two planes and like, you know, it, ha- it ends up happening a little bit differently than that. But I was like, you remember when we saw dark Knight and like they had the two planes tethered together and it was awesome. And then I was watching this and I was like, wow, like they kind of did something very much like that. Like, you know, years and years, like 20 probably years before. Yeah. Um, although I will say, I do think ultimately the, the dark Knight does it better, but um, pretty cool opening scene. I was a little curious how they were doing some of it um, because I wasn't sure if they actually had these two planes tethered together and they were still flying them, whatever. I don't know, but um, pretty cool um, scene. But ultimately, this trained mercenary crew loses their money and kicks off. Then they need to get it back and the good guys need to stop them. So I figure, why don't we spend a little time with each of the characters and sort of break down where we're at? Because for me personally, the actors in this movie and the way they portrayed their parts sort of made and broke portions of this yeah. movie for me personally. I agree. <laughs> so let's let's start at the start with Sylvester Stallone. So Sylvester Stallone, in my mind, has much better movie roles than this one. I found him really unremarkable. You know, in this movie, I'm trying to remember if this or Demolition Man was first. Was Demolition Man first, or was this the first well wouldn't rocky predate this by no uh, yes but what i'm saying is there was a time where like after something like stop or my mom will shoot and stuff like that where he had kind of like a real low point in his career he then picked it up with stuff like oh cliffhanger was first then demolition man this was sort of his sort of rebound from movies like oscar and stop my mom will shoot and and things like that. And so this was like his first foray into becoming, you know, kind of like how Travolta had that sort of bounce back after, you know, face off and stuff like yeah. that. And um and pulp fiction. So, you know, Stallone in this movie plays, you know, Stallone essentially, you know. Yeah. And yeah, he's a guy who's on a freezing cold mountain with no with, sleeves. With no <laughs> sleeves, almost no clothes on, you know. Uh, you know, nothing can kill this guy. No matter what you do, you can't kill him. And yeah, which again, right? Like a bunch of action movies, that's usually going to be the case. You get like some generic action hero bullets seem to mag- magically like separate and go around yeah. them, this sort of thing. But I think for me, unlike this character in, let's say, Die Hard or a lot of other movies. He's not the smartest guy in the room. He's not outsmarting them at, at no. everything. It's just that he happens to be a better mountain climber. So he keeps getting to their money first and he keeps destroying right. it, which like, I don't know how smart that is. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like what does it cost him to just let these guys get the money and get off the right. mountain? You know, like he doesn't really have any personal stakes outside of like, these are bad guys. Right. You know what I mean, like, you know, they have Hal. Uh, you know, essentially like captured, but what a way to get that guy killed to keep destroying this $30 million that they're trying to retrieve. So that plot line didn't really make a lot of sense to me, particularly given the fact that these bad guys 
maybe in more so than any other action movie that I can think of, are just ready to kill people at the drop yeah, of a they're, hat. They're, they're like, unremorseful. They just they have no problem with it at all. Like they just kill people for fun. Yeah. There's no reason several people in this movie need to die that just do just because they're like, up, oh, shoot them. Yeah. You know, like like just really heartless, merciless killers. These people. So I don't know how Hal lasts as long as he does. The whole premise of this movie seems to revolve around that certain people have certain skills and you need that person to stay alive. We need a pilot to be able to fly off the mountain. We need a mountaineer to be able to show us how to get from one cliff to the other. But with that said, like Hal's leading them around. But in the meantime, like the people seem to show a lot of competence with rope work and like carabiners and like very narrow stuff. So I'm not entirely convinced they need any of them. And also (laughs) like they were in an airplane. They didn't have any thing prepared for climbing mountains like you know snow boots or whatever or any kind of like i don't know it just seems like they could have probably found the boxes themselves without needing anybody i don't know um and you know like we have this like you know you want to have like a redemption arc for a hero when they start off a, a story where like the one time he had to hold on he couldn't do it and he let go and she died and you get something like that later in the movie where he's holding on to the other woman during like an avalanche and like an explosion. And 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 like she was like almost like a carbon copy of the woman that fell. So like she was completely unremarkable. But I want to get into we'll get to her in a few minutes. But yeah, but like, you know, he, he saves her and lifts her back up. But it was like they didn't do it right. Like they didn't like seal that moment like this is the time i failed now i gotta succeed and then he succeeds inversely, it was just sort of like yep he pulled her up <laughs> inversely you know going back to superhero movies like in you know spider-man no way home when andrew garfield's spider-man saves mj as a redemption moment for losing gwen stacy in amazing spider-man 2 exactly yeah he just doesn't have an arc it's like He's a, a guy who saves people from mountains in the beginning of the movie. He's a guy who saves people from mountains at the end of the movie. And there's just no growth there. There's just nothing interesting happens to that yeah. character. Um, the most interesting thing that happens to that character in the entire movie is when he power lifts a huge man, like he weighs 12 pounds through that stalactite, stalagmite. I yeah. forget which one's on the yes. roof. <laughs> and, and, and spikes the guy through the gut. And I was like, oh my God, this movie has jumped the shark at this yeah. moment. <laughs> and again, he's not a cop. He's not a marine. He's a mountain climber, and he just straight up murders that guy. No problem. <laughs> no <laughs> problem. Now let's talk about uh, John Lithgow's uh, Eric Quaylen character. And uh, I know you love John Lithgow. I well, that's what I was about to say. I have to lead off by saying I love John Lithgow. That being said, I'm going to follow up that comment with this is by and far the worst, worst ever John Lithgow. I hated him so much I, in this role. Thank you. I don't know what the accent was. Yeah. The accent kept coming and going. I can't place it in the world. If he said bastard one more time, I was going to throw something at the TV because yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, there's an A sound in there buddy like not an like a hard oh yeah. like you bastard he kept getting i'm like what accent is yeah, that no i <laughs> i hate this character so much i hate it as it a was kid so bad. i hate it as a it kid so bad it's it's cliche <laughs> one-dimensional bad guy with a weird 
European accent, I would call it. I don't know if he was told that that's how he had to act it or if that was his choice. If it was his choice, his cool points have dropped for me forever yeah. because it was so poorly conceived. Uh, I like I'm have a hard time in a bunch of the movies you and I have seen trying to think of a bad guy that was more poorly done and played than this oh, one was. It's the worst. And that's it's, that's saying something because we've had some clunkers, it's, you know. It's the it's the worst. And the weird thing about it is everybody else in the movie calls Sylvester Stallone Gabe. Yeah. Eric Quaylen only calls him Walker and he talks about him in with such like reverence and anger as if this guy has been his arch enemy forever. Like, like, like Gabe, uh, you know, Stallone's character and Lithgow's fa- character have been going at it forever. And they just, you yeah. know, it's, it's so ridiculous. Well, like, the perfect like example of it is the end of the movie where like, he's got, his, I guess, what are you going to call her? Girlfriend? Yeah. I don't know, whatever. Um, held captive in the helicopter. And he wants him to send the money up. He holds all the cards. He's got a gun yeah. to the woman. He's got the helicopter. He holds all the cards except for like the money. And he completely gives the power of that away just because Gabe's like, why don't you go put her down over there? So he drops her off. He's not wanting to give him the money. He tethers the helicopter to the thing. Somehow the helicopter is not able to pull this very simple thing out of the side of the hill. And it starts ending up in this ridiculous crash. And the guy goes full on lunatic, yeah. which he's already done several times. He's killed members of his own crew just to like. Just for the sake of thwart things for he, no reason. He killed his own girlfriend in the movie. Which, by the way, the woman that he killed is Moira from Hook. Yes. I was looking at her and I'm like, who is that? I know that. So she went from playing like the mom on hook to being the villain. <laughs> and she was much better played character. Like I liked her character. And a bunch of the, the mercenary characters are much better played. His is so far gone past over the top that it goes into just like a cartoonish territory. And that fight that they have on the helicopter hanging off the cliff where he's like, come on, you're staying with me now. You know, like it's just like, it's just so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah, no, I, I, this is my most hated John Lithgow role probably ever. Like, it's horrible. And he's horrible in that character. I despise it. Beyond, And I've seen him play other villains, and they've been damn good. Yeah. This one was just utter yeah. trash. Like, <laughs> if you compare this John Lithgow to the uh, Trinity Killer in Dexter – that's such right, a yeah. better <laughs> villain. Like you can't, uh, it's like, how is this the same actor? It's so unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it's horrible. Uh, but now I want to go into uh, Janine Turner's character of Jesse, who is the helicopter rescue team person and Walker's like on again, off again, girlfriend. And honestly, I know you have mixed feelings about her. I love her. I've always I had, the, but she just doesn't do anything the whole I know. movie. She's like, got nothing to do like the whole she's movie. She's getting ready to go like help the other people. Somehow talks Gabe into helping, and then any scene where he's just like something dangerous is about to happen, run. She just runs. Yeah. There's nothing interesting about her. She's so dead. And she looks like the woman who dies in the beginning of the movie. So like the two of them are like almost completely interchangeable. It, it is a little confusing. They do have a similar look to them other than uh, Janine Turner has very short hair. Um, but like, I don't know what it was, but as a kid between her being in this movie and in Northern Exposure, I had the biggest crush in her as a kid. I loved her. <laughs> I, again, 
this is one of those things where I wish they gave her more to do. Like there was, st- yeah, it's maybe less on her and more just on the movie and, and like what that character is, but it's just a pointless character. Yeah. She offers nothing besides being somebody that gets captured at the yeah. end. And, and maybe that, like, you know, cause I think there's already enough stakes for Gabe uh, to try and help Hal, you know, get out of there. She offers nothing. She does nothing that's helpful. You know, <laughs> I also don't feel that, her and Stallone have great chemistry together. Like, I don't really. She's, I just feel like she's tacked on. She like, you know, like any scene where like him and her are doing anything, it's like there's no chemistry because there's nothing for them to have chemistry over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so funny enough, this is our, sort of along for the this ride. is our second Rennie Harlan film. <laughs> our first one was, was the first other? one is Die Hard 2. Oh, all right. So that explains some things. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So like, and that's one of the things that I that bummed me out. I'm like, oh, it's, I forgot it's a Rennie Harlan film because he was one of those guys, kind of like a, a Mick G or um, Brett Ratner, who they just kept giving movies to for a while, even though his movies were generally pretty bad. And and yet he made a bunch of movies and they made a bunch of money. And I don't understand why, because, you know, Die Hard 2 is one of the weakest in the franchise, you know, this movie is uh, mediocre, you know, but then he's got other ones. Yeah, I mean, like it's wild and like a lot of people rem- remember this movie very fondly. So like, I'm not going to take that away, but like, I don't know. Like it just, if I, the word I had in my head, cause I, I always seem to, when I'm watching these movies end up with a single word in my brain. And this one was generic. Mm-hmm. Everything about this movie felt generic to me. It didn't feel like anything except for maybe the, the place setting stood out or did anything interesting or better than any other movie like this has done. And in some cases it did the things a lot worse. Like I said, the only really truly cool and interesting thing is the setting, but we don't even really get to see them doing a lot of true mountaineering work. There's only a few scenes where they're sort of like on a rope dangling off a hill, got to run and leap and grab something. You know, I was sort of thinking there'd be like a lot more, of that, but it really doesn't end up focusing so much on that as you might think. It I would. honestly feel like this movie would have been better if it's more like a K2 kind of a movie where they're trapped on a mountain and they have to, you know, survive to get off it. As, and that's what I sort of thought this movie was. I not, don't know why I thought it was not at all something that. different, but yeah. But I, I don't want to get too far away from characters without talking about Michael Rooker because for me, he's the best part of the movie. He was the he was the star of this movie for me. Yeah, he, and it was fun because you know you're used to seeing him in like the role of Yondu these days. I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen him in roles um, previous to that where he was like I think he's in Mallrats. Like is probably one of the first movies I saw him in. He plays the. Um, father who's running the um, like the thing at the mall, mm-hmm. but even in this because that's Mall Rats is ninety six, so it's a couple of years after this movie. He looks so young yeah. in this movie; it was really funny. But like the character of Hal takes maybe the most chances and does some of the most interesting things that happen in this movie. Like whether it's like stealing the radio mm-hmm. and trying to run away, you know, they've always got him at gunpoint. Like he's constantly you know, putting his life on the line to try and like thwart what these people are doing. And I, you know, he gets into like a, that big fist fight with the guy on top of the hill. And like, he gets knocked over the ledge and you're like, Oh, this is it for him. And he manages to grab this, his little like, like boot knife. And like, he gets the shotgun and like all of his stuff was much more fun. I wish he was the main character of this movie because I really found what he was doing as a, as somebody who was trapped by the, the enemies to be much more interesting than what Gabe was doing to just be like, climbing around the hill and burning money like yeah. with very little stakes you know i would agree 
Um, And I thought, like, I just thought he did a really damn good job acting his part, you know, where I found this to be a little bit more of a generic performance from Stallone, a non-performance from the female character, a terrible performance from from, from John Lithgow. I thought that he was like the shining star, you know? So like, I got to give him credit where credit was due. I thought he was very, very good in that. No, I agree. And, you know, really to round out the case, we've already sort of mentioned the, the female antagonist who I thought I really liked her in this movie. She's, you know, almost more menacing. And then John Lithgow just kills her for no apparent reason, even though like this is his, you know, love interest in the movie makes no sense other than, Oh, by the way, plot twist, I can fly helicopters too, pal. Like, where yeah. did that come from? Uh, and then- well, the only other recognizable name for me was Leon, um, who I would probably purely only otherwise recognize from Cool Runnings. He plays the main character in Cool Runnings, yes. and wow, what a very different character he plays! Yeah, very much so <laughs> in this movie. Um, and I, you know, again, it was an interesting enough fight scene between him and Stallone down in the caves, but he played the character a little too over the top for, for my liking with like the no bullets, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, lines like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It was, a, it was a little bit silly. Um, the fact that he was carrying around an Uzi the whole time. I, I think in the nineties, there was no more quintessential gun that in like the nows seems like such a goofy and laughable looking little yeah. weapon as the Uzi. <laughs> the Uzi was huge in the nineties where, you know, now it's more, you know, more large scale uh, machine guns. But yeah, like that was just, I mean, listen, he's fine for the, for the movie. It, it's okay. <laughs> the only other real character that we really see in the movie is Frank played by, by, Ralph Waite, who's basically the helicopter pilot for the rescue crew. And sadly, once the story gets kicked off, you know, poor Frank's going to get killed. And sure <laughs> enough, he gets killed in the most, you know, uh, like generic way possible. And, yeah. you know, it's sort of like ugh, another throwaway character. Most of the characters, like so, you said. So speaking of throwaway characters, how about the two like surfer dude skydivers? Oh. Was that the weirdest inclusion in this movie? I, it's almost like they felt they didn't have enough characters in the movie. And so therefore they needed to inject these two like, whoa, dude, let's go take some gnarly dive off the cliff, man. Like, you know, like two guys. And I, I just don't get it. Like they had like their own little scenes unto themselves. Like when they're like in a tent hanging out, yeah. you know, like, wouldn't you rather be down like in tent city than this dude, you know, like whatever the two of them get killed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, so, One of them like just gets gunned straight down. The other one, I thought somehow escaped the bullets, but he must've gotten shot too. He does skydive and he ends up in the tree. Gets, I couldn't tell if he got injured by the tree or if he did get no, he shot, got shot in the back. Uh, he was jumping. All right. But like, but yeah, so those two guys, it's almost as if Rennie Harlan was trying to create like a spinoff for these two guys. <laughs> it's somehow stemmed out of like point break or something for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. It makes no sense. They're, they're again, throwaway characters. Uh, it like takes you out of the rest of the narrative that you have to like deal with these two yeah. guys. It's like, why do we care that they're up there? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird, I don't know. I it's sort of just a shrug your shoulder sort of thing. You know, listen, <laughs> overall, is the movie the worst piece of garbage we've watched in this podcast? No. Far from it. No. But it it's it's just very generic and it's super generic. And for what I thought the movie was or or 
you know, the way that people would, I don't want to say people talk reverentially about this movie. I don't think I've ever run into anybody that does, but how I thought this movie was remembered and, and what it was about was very different from what I ultimately got. And that just ended up being essentially for me, a, like a B heist movie. <laughs> so ironically, uh, last month when this podcast was supposed to come out, they announced that cliffhanger two is coming starring Stallone. <laughs> That's because Stallone is constantly running out of money and needs to keep injecting money back into his career with new versions of all the old movies that he made that people left. Yeah. And, you know, he, he needs to finance the fifth Expendables movie. So he's going to do it by making another cliffhanger movie. Um, and basically, you know, they've said that Rennie Harlan will not return as director. They'll have a different director. Uh, Rick Roman, Hoff or Woff, who directed Angel in Heaven. Uh, no, um, Angel Has Fallen and Greenland, which I really like Greenland. Both Those are both pretty yeah, decent movies, both, actually. Uh, Gerard Butler movies. And uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I hope they don't make it another heist movie and they make it more like something actually happens in the movie. <laughs> but who yeah. knows? Yeah, I think it'd be more fun to watch like a like a mountaineering survival sort yeah. of movie than than just generic heist. I, I just think. I just can't see you know seventy five year old Stallone climbing mountains. <laughs> just can't see. Maybe he'll be the old guy that flies the helicopter this time. We get Gerard Butler to be the the Gabe character. <laughs> Could you imagine? I would watch Could that. You? I would I watch, watch that. that too. <laughs> oh boy! All right, so um, we have um, our movies for June, which is going to be being pulled in June here. So I'll run like a five day ish um, pull on it. Um, I only picked two movies and there's other movies that we could have added to this list, but they're just never going to get voted above these two. And I don't think even one of these is going to get voted above the other mm -hmm. when I list them. So our two movie picks for you guys for this month are going to be last action hero, which actually is a fun movie, mm -hmm. although maybe one of the worst of, of Schwarzenegger's movies and Jurassic park. I don't know. I don't know how we get a vote with this without it being Jurassic yeah. Park. So I, I only included those two. We'll see what we get. Maybe there's some big last action hero fans out there, but um, we'll throw it up for you guys to vote and you'll, you'll, we'll see what we get. All right, Michael, tell them how they get a hold of us. So you can go to our social medias and you can go to the, the Twitters at box office three zero as well as facebook box office three zero on instagram it's box office t-h-i-r-t-y you can also go to our box office 30.com website to listen to a bunch of back episodes and our lack of uh bios and profiles <laughs> that we've been talking about for over a year now to do um but it's there, so you can check stuff out. You can also check us out through the Retro Network as well, because there's tons of content there. You can go to our T Public store and get some merch. Um, mostly it's just me and Pete buying stuff for ourselves for our own <laughs> podcast. But but it's there if you want stuff. And please, like I said, you know, hit us up on our social medias. Let us know what you think of the show, if you have any ideas or recommendations or any kind of things we could talk about. Also, I do want to thank a few strangers out there who actually have given us some five star reviews over on, um, on iTunes. Apple. So, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you can rank and rate, please give us a couple stars. It helps get the word out there. Let your friends know if you think that there's an episode they might like. And uh, and honestly, like, please do reach out to us. We'd love to know that if you're out there in listener land and enjoying the show or if you want something different. Let us know that too. We can maybe change things up. Do you want to do the uh, the pop quiz, the movie quiz situation here? Do you have the cards sure. nearby? Um, I have those cards here somewhere. <laughs> Should we do action because it was an action movie month? That makes sense to me. Here we go. 
All right. So for those who don't know, um, we were kindly gifted by Jason of the Retro Network a while back. The big movie quiz, which is uh, like a trivial pursuit sort of thing. It's a bunch of cards and uh, we tend to go through three cards, six questions and see how many Michael can get uh, in a given uh, week. So um, let's see how you do this time. I, I think this first one's going to be pretty, uh, pretty easy. Which 1991 feature or film features the line "Hasta la vista, baby." Terminator 2: Judgment Day. There we go. All right, so one for one. Which former footballer starred in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? Footballer being a soccer player. Correct. Oh, I. Um, a former football player. Uh, he's been in other movies now since too. Hey, this might be hard. It can't be Jude Law. Uh, no. Uh, oh, oh, oh! It's um, the big guy. He was also in uh, like the X Men movies. He played Juggernaut. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what is his name? I don't know his name, but I, I know the guy. I just don't know the name. You know the guy, Vinny That's- Jones. We'll give you partial credit on that one. We'll give you a one and a half. <laughs> in what film did Keanu Reeves play a federal agent called Johnny Utah? I just mentioned Point Break. Uh, yep. <laughs> the better of the two Point Breaks. <laughs> yes. Which actress starred as the titular character in the 2014 film Lucy? Oh, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yep. All right, here's another movie we brought up here this evening. Who directed The Dark Knight? Christopher Nolan. And by the way, and finally, and by the way, it's The Dark Knight Rises with the airplane scene, by the way, sir. Correct. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the heist. It's the heist uh, in the beginning of Dark Knight. Um, which 2004 film featured Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning? Love this oh, movie. Oh, Man on Fire. Amazing movie. Yes. They're making a sequel to that, too, now. That, they, they just announced Are they? Yeah. Yeah, That was a really, really good oh. movie. I've, for years, wanted Ange to watch that with me, and we have never gotten around to doing that it. So movie, maybe that's a good reminder to put that on. That movie <laughs> is incredible. And on top of that, the score for that movie, the soundtrack is just phenomenal. Oh, what a beautiful film. Yes. Uh, so, you know, as we mentioned, you can go to our social medias. Like I said, Box Office 30 on Twitter and Facebook, Box Office T-H-I-R-T-Y on Instagram and the website. As always, we want to thank Jason and Mickey of the Retro Network for giving us a platform and being patient with us and appreciating us <laughs> and, you know, just loving us in general. They're wonderful people. Uh, you know, they, they, they make a great platform for the Retro Network and giving us a place to talk and, you know, spend two hours, you know, more or less every month to to talk about stuff so you know (laughs) thank you again and you know listen (laughs) my daughter just flushed the toilet there you go um there you go (laughs) but listen so you know thanks everybody for listening you know we really appreciate you we'll see you soon bye friends of the Retro Network.